make a few announcements. Of course, Christmas Eve will be here Saturday or Sunday, and we'll have our regular service Sunday morning, Sunday school and preaching time. And then our Sunday night service will be at 8 o'clock. We'll do our candlelit uh, Christmas Eve service at 8. And uh, so that's always a great service, and I hope that you'll come and be a part of that. And that way we'll have a good long time on Christmas Eve uh, between the services so you can be with your family, do whatever you need to do as far as that goes, and uh, get back here for church that evening. And uh, I appreciate the Lord. I was thinking about we singing that song, I'm glad for the blood. I'm glad I got a Bible that's got the blood in it. There's power in the blood. You believe that? I was coming up the road. We actually, three o'clock this afternoon, I was standing in Bass Pro Shop. Uh, thank God for that. Amen. And uh, Pigeon Forge. And we was coming back up the road this afternoon to church. And everybody else was asleep, I think. And I was listening to preaching coming up the road, preaching on the blood. Boy, I got to think about how thankful I was for the blood. I'm glad one day the blood was applied to my life. And uh, I'm glad it's redeeming blood. I thank God it's uh, perpetuating blood. It's forgiving blood. I thank God for the blood. Amen. All right, 1 Timothy chapter number 3. We're going to begin our reading tonight, verse number 14. As we continue, uh, just uh, over the next few weeks, just try to look at uh, some Bible doctrines, uh, some things that we believe why we believe them. Uh, I'm glad to know what I believe. I think that's important, don't you? Uh, But uh, it's one thing to know what you believe. It's something else to know why you believe it. And then over the years, and I know people say, well, I believe it because the preacher said. Uh, But you ought to have some Bible basis for what you believe. So I'll try to share a few of those things. We looked last week at the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm glad that I got baptized into the body of Christ. By the Holy Ghost, Spirit of God, sealed unto the day of redemption. And uh, so we looked at those things last week. Uh, might have start, might should have started with this message, but uh, just trying to follow the leadership of the Lord here. Verse 14, the Bible said, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child... Thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, uh, for reproof, for for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, truly furnished, Unto all good works. Let's pray together. Father, we ask, Lord, in Jesus' name, that you touch and help, Lord, the service tonight. God, I'm so thankful to be here. Lord, I pray, God, there's a lot of folks that's come. They want to hear from heaven. So I pray that that's exactly what we'd have happen here tonight. I pray, God, that you touch hearts. Uh, I know it's a Wednesday night, Lord, and sometimes we uh, don't put as much emphasis on the Wednesday night service. And uh, But, Lord, uh, you're God on Wednesday night, just like you're on Sunday. So I pray tonight, God, that you'd help us. Lord, pray the Holy Spirit speak to hearts. Do that as only you can. We'll thank you for all that's accomplished in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Gabe, if you wouldn't care to run and get me a, a, some water, some of that that's room temperature, not out of the refrigerator, please. All right, let's look and see uh, what the Bible has to say to us tonight. Now, last week, like I said, we talked about 
the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Tonight, I want to preach a little while on the infallibility of the Scriptures. The infallibility of the Scriptures. I say this to you. Uh, as we look at some Bible doctrines and some Baptist distinctives and why it is that we believe what we believe. And let me say this before I get started. And I've made the statement and I believe that I'm glad, thank God, that uh, God got a hold of me before religion did. Amen. God got me before the Baptist did. I'm going to say, I want to say this. I am glad and not ashamed to be a Baptist. Amen. I tell you, we live in a time where, uh, you know, they try to take Baptists off the signs and, uh, you know, go to the center denomination kind of thing. I believe in being who you are, flying your flag. Thank God. Believe in what you believe. I'm glad to be a Baptist. Uh, but I want us to look a little while tonight at the infallibility of the Scripture. Let me say this. If we don't have a perfect Bible, then none of the other things we're going to learn about are any good. Amen. You, we've got to know that the Bible is without error and without fault. I'm glad that I've got a Bible tonight that is complete and perfect. And there's been a lot of people that have uh, shed their blood and died that you and I might be able to have a Bible in our laps tonight and enjoy the Word of God. Matter of fact, just earlier today, I was in uh, over in Pigeon Forest. They've got a Bible museum over there. It's very, very interesting. If you're over there, y'all check that out. Thanks, son. If you're over there, y'all check that out sometime. And uh, it's very, very interesting. I was over there today, and they've got all kinds of Bible and take you through the history, how the Bible uh, came from the Hebrew into the Greek and uh, into Latin and all those different languages, and then section on how it was translated to the King James Version. And then they've got several Bibles that were uh, uh, used by famous people. It's pretty interesting. But anyway, I, I began to think about Wycliffe and Tyndale and some of those men that literally gave their life so that you could have a Bible. Well, we ought to be thankful for it. We ought to be thankful. See, what happened was that in the 1500s, the Roman Catholic Church, they had pretty well fell off the wagon in every way that you could fall off. And they'd come up with all kinds of crazy doctrines. And basically the idea that they came up with was that what the church said or what the Pope said under papal authority held as much sway as what the Word of God had to say. Well, you can understand where that might cause a problem. Amen. I mean, you think about it just a minute. Let's say here at Concord tonight that we believe what Bradley said held as much authority as what the Bible said. Can you see where I might run away with power before it was over? That's exactly what happened to the Catholic Church. And so they came up with infant baptism and they came up with the veneration of the saints and the transubstantiation of Christ and the taking of communion and all kinds of different crazy doctrines. And the Bible, see the problem was the Bible was written in such a way that the common man could not understand the Word of God. And so when that was, uh, you think about it, if you couldn't read the Bible tonight, then uh, the guy that could read the Bible, why he could tell you it said whatever he wanted to tell you it said, uh, and do whatever he wanted to do. Uh, well, in the 1500s, there was some men uh, uh, that decided to leave the Roman Catholic Church. I'm thinking 
about uh, Wycliffe, I'm thinking about Martin Luther and some of these others. Uh, they decided to leave the Roman Catholic Church and they called that the Great Reformation. Uh, and during the Great Reformation, that established what is known as the Protestant churches. Uh, that word Protestant simply means to protest. Uh, and so they were protesting the papal authority of Roman Catholicism. Uh, and uh, part one of the big things they did uh, was they said they want to make the Bible where the average man could understand it. As a matter of fact, I believe it was Tyndale who said when he got done that a plow boy would know as many scriptures as the Pope. Amen. Probably more, the truth be known. But they started that, and boy, you can understand how the Roman Catholics didn't like it, so they fought against it. And all the denominations that claimed the title Protestant came out of the Great Reformation. I'm talking about the Presbyterians. I'm talking about the Methodists. Uh, I'm talking about uh, uh, Lutherans, all these different denominations. Uh, but you know what? The Baptists did not come out of the Reformation. Uh, did you know tonight that Baptists are not Protestants? Uh, they're not. Now, I know this is a little bit of history lesson. I'm going to get where I'm going here in just a minute. Uh, but we're not Protestants uh, because all throughout the years, uh, uh, all the way back to the time of Christ, uh, there has been a group of Bible believers uh, that stood with the word of God that never were a part of the Roman Catholic Church. You can trace their history back to Antioch and that is the Bible-believing Baptist of our day. And boy, I'm glad to be counted with that group. Amen. And I could preach to you a little bit tonight about the King James Bible. I'm not going to do that. I've preached series and all these different things on that. Why we believe the King James and it comes from a superior manuscript. I'd be glad to talk to you about that after church if you'd like to, I can give you all kinds of different reasons why we believe in the King James Bible. It comes from the Textus Receptus. Uh, it doesn't come from the Latin Vulgate. It doesn't have the influences of Westcott and Horde. Uh, and I can talk to you about all that. We can talk hours, but I'm not going to preach on that tonight. Just to simply say we believe the King James Bible. Amen. But the Bible, let's talk about the Bible just a minute. See, what the reformers did was they came up with this solas, this, what they called the solas. Now, the solas means by itself. And one of the solas of the Reformation was sola scriptoria. That means that the word of God stood by itself. Well, Bible believers always believe that. And uh, really, when you get down to the heart of this belief, it's an understanding that the Bible is enough. The Bible is enough. You don't need the opinion of man. Uh, you don't need the, uh, uh, the, the commentators, none of that. All of those things can be helpful, but you don't have to have it. The Bible is enough. And I'll say this to you tonight. The Bible is the final authority for all matters of mankind. It's the final authority for all matters of the church. It doesn't matter if you believe it or not. It's the truth. The Bible is the truth. Now just think about something. Think about something just a minute. Uh, what a book penned over 1,500 years. Now just think about this. Listen to me now. Penned over 1,500 years, 66 books, uh, nearly 40 authors involved, uh, 1,189 chapters, uh, 31,102 verses, uh, 783,137 words, uh, and yet through it all, uh, it all meshes together and goes together, uh, and it all has one common theme. Uh, the Old Testament theme is Jesus is coming. Uh, the New Testament theme is Christ has come, uh, and 
and you can read every page and it all makes sense and it all goes together, I'd say that has to be God. Now, let's just do something. Just sing back to Smith. Let's just do something. Let's say we got 40 of you tonight together and we said we're going to write a book. We're going to write a book about uh, any, subject you want, any subject you want to think about. We're going to write a book about it. Uh, we're going to write a book about, let's just make it easy. We're going to write a book about what's happened this year at church. And everybody's going to write a few chapters, a, a couple of chapters. We're going to put it all together. And uh, even though that's uh, 40 people and everybody here knows one another, and even though that's an impressed amount of time, you'd compile that book and there'd be all kinds of discrepancies in it. Uh, Sandy would say this happened and and then Daryl would say, well, I don't remember that happening, but I, I do remember this happening. And, and there'd be all these discrepancies. We just, just, even though we all know each other, we all live in the same time period. Well, you think about it. 1,500 years the Bible took to write. 1,500 years. 40 different authors. None of them knew one another. Uh, and you think about this. Many of them did not even have the previous author's work. It wasn't even like they could compare the earlier works. They didn't have the early works. And yet, the Bible still goes together. Even the people who, would, who hate the Bible, they can only come up with a handful of discrepancies in all 66 books. And you can take those discrepancies and explain them very easily when you think about the time period they were written in, who they were written to. They're very easily explained. But even, the, even those that hate the Bible can only come up with that same little tired list of so-called discrepancies in a book that was written by 40 different authors uh, over 1,500 years. Uh, I'd say there's a lot of evidence uh, that the Bible is the Word of God. Hallelujah! So I could argue tonight from an intellectual standpoint. I want to say this to you tonight. It doesn't matter if you accept the Bible intellectually or not. That doesn't matter. The Bible must be accepted by faith. It must be. It must be. I was reading some time ago. Uh, there's a, another great evangelist. I'll not call his name because his name isn't worth mentioning. That started at the same time that Billy Graham started. He ended up being an atheist, and one, uh, one night they met together, and he was challenging uh, Billy Graham's faith, and uh, Billy Graham took his Bible and went out in the woods. He tells this story in a book, and he found a stump there, and he opened up the Bible. Here's what he said. He said, I don't understand everything that's in your word, God. He said, but all I know to do is accept it by faith. I, I can make all kinds of intellectual arguments to you tonight about why the Bible is the Bible. And I tell you, it, it is. You, you study it any way you want to. Look at it however you want to. It is the Word of God. But until you have accepted it by faith, it will not be real in your life. You've got to believe what the Bible said on the basis of faith. You see, this book is unlike any other book that has ever been been written in that it is spiritually discerned. It's not like a math book or it's not like a history book. It's not like any book that you've ever read. In my office, I picked it up just because I thought it was interesting. It said the scriptural record in science and it was written in 1942. And I began to read through that and see some of the things that they considered science in 1942. And it simply is not applicable in our day. My friend 
in not that too distant future uh, or past, uh, they thought the world was flat. Uh, they thought the best way to cure disease was to bleed uh, people all of their blood out. That was the science of the day. Uh, think about how that has changed. Uh, but there's one thing that has remained true, uh, and that is the Word of God. Uh, hey, the Bible said uh, on the circle of the earth, you see the Bible knew that the world is round before man ever figured it out. Uh, hey, the Bible said the life uh, is in the blood. You see, God knew it before man ever figured it out. And I'm simply saying to you tonight, if those verses are true, then they're every one true and they've got to be believed by faith. I'll say this to you. If the Bible says it, I believe it. Amen. I believe it's perfect. I believe it's infallible. I believe it's right for every circumstance. I believe it's a living, breathing book that'll change your life. I thank God for the Bible. Let's talk about the Bible just a little bit tonight. The infallibility of the Scripture. Now let's look back at these verses that I quoted for you tonight. I'm going to give you three little thoughts tonight. Three little thoughts. Number one, I want to say that it's the Word of God alone. It's the Word of God alone. Now you can read in these verses. Paul said there in verse number 15, or 14, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and has been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And so he later, he later talks about the Holy Scriptures. And so Paul said that as far as he was concerned, the Word of God was enough. The Word of God alone. And I tell you, there's a, there's a lot of temptation, church. As our church grow, uh, there's a lot of temptation out there to accept, you know, a lot of different programs and ideas but if we ever stray away from the basis of the Bible, boy, we're in a mess. We've got to have the Word of God. Paul believed it was the sole authority for all matters concerning the church. And so the Word of God is enough. Do you believe that? I believe it's enough in faith and practice. Now notice Paul highlights four things here that the Word of God does. First of all, it was the Word of God that Paul preached in his ministry. He said those things which thou hast heard and have learned. He said those things that thou hast been assured of. Those were the things that Paul preached in his ministry. I'm telling you, we live in a time where it's awful tempting to preach what's happening on the news or preach what's happening in the newspaper. I'm going to tell you what we need is Bible preaching. I mean straight from the Word of God, verse upon verse, precept upon precept. That's what changes men, women's, and boys' lives. It's not what I think. It's not what I say. It's what thus saith the Word of God. We need the Bible. So it was the, it was the Scriptures that Paul preached that was, he believed was the sole authority. But then what? note this. It was the scriptures that brought Timothy to the understanding of salvation. Look what Paul said there. Verse number 15, And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Now I'm going to tell you what I believe. I believe that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I don't believe a man gets saved except through and by the preaching of that precious book. I believe that, I believe that the Bible 
is what converts a man. I do. I believe it's, a, I believe it's the Bible. And, the, and Paul told Timothy here, he said it was those scriptures. How many of you tonight glad you saved? Say amen. Somewhere down the line, somebody shared with you the glorious good news of the gospel of Christ. You are lost and on your way to hell, a hell-deserving sinner. Somebody came through one day with a Bible and said, you don't have to go to hell. Jesus died for your sins. You can be forgiven. I'm glad that it's the word of God that will give us the knowledge. It's the Holy Scriptures that will make us wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. I'm glad the Scripture still does the job. Hey, we don't need we don't need annex. We don't don't need psychology. Uh, we don't need the latest fad that sweeps the church world. Uh, oh, what we need is this, what we need is the preaching uh, of the Word of God. Uh, it's enough to it's enough to convert the whole world. Uh, somebody told you about the Bible. Uh, somebody told you uh, that Jesus saves uh, and that His blood will cover all your sins. Aren't you? Hey, I say thank God. I'm glad somebody one day told me that good news. Changed my life. It hey, it changed my life. I know there's a lot of preachers act like they're mad about being saved, but I'm gonna tell you it's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Hey, hey, I said it's the greatest thing that ever happened to me the day Jesus washed all my sins away and put them under the blood. It's the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Now watch this. Is the scriptures that brought Timothy to understand salvation. But then all scriptures, starting from the very beginning to the end are profitable for four things. Watch this. Paul said, number one, they're profitable for doctrine. That is what is right. Look at verse number 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine. Now the word doctrine, that simply means that which is taught. So where do you get that which is taught out of? You get that out of of the Bible. Out of the Bible. We don't get it out of a set of uh, rules. We don't get it out of a uh, set of codexes or anything like that. We get it straight out of the Word of God. We believe in the verbal, plenary inspiration of the Bible. And we believe the Bible is true and right and real. And that's where we get the doctrines of the church is right out of the Bible. So it's profitable for doctrine. That's what's right. Then it's profitable for reproof. That is uncovering those things that are not right. So the Bible not only teaches us what's right, but teaches us wrong. There has to be a rule. Now just think about it. There has to be a rule. Paul said that we all mind the same rule. As some of you in here do carpentry work, different things. Others of you are mechanics. Well, there's rules for all that. Rules for it. Uh, you think about a carpenter. He's going to take out his Stanley tape measure. He's going to run that Stanley tape measure out there. And if it says one feet, three inches, he can, he can measure that. Oh, that's one foot, three inches. He hollers down there to the man cutting at the saw. He said, I need a board one foot, three inches. He takes his Stanley rule out. He rolls it out there, one foot, three inches. He makes the cut, throws it up, it fits. Why? Because they operate according to the same rule. Mechanic, he's up under the vehicle. He says, well, this is a half inch nut here. I'm gonna need a half inch, I'm gonna need a half inch socket. Man standing outside that's a helper, that's usually me. He walks over there to the tool chest and he hunts a half inch socket. He hands it up under there and it fits every time. 
Why? Because same rule. The same rule that applies under the car applies in the toolbox. Same rule that applies on top of the roof applies down yonder at the, at the saw. But let's say for just a second that one man was carrying a tape measure uh, that uh, measured different than the other man. Boy, what a mess that'd be. What if it was just uh, for that mechanic? What if it's just willy-nilly? They just made up the numbers. You know, somebody laid under there and they said, well, this nut appears to be a three, four, five, six, eight, nine, nine. And uh, that man, the man said, well, here's your socket. It'll probably fit it. It wouldn't work. You see, you got to have a rule. Got to be a common rule. I, well, that's what the Bible is. I, the Bible is the rule book. That's what it teaches us what's right. But then it also tells us what's wrong. I, and if the Bible says it's right, it's right. The Bible says it's wrong, it's wrong. You see, there has to be a rule. Amen. Everything in life requires a rule. Everything does. And without it, all is anarchy. People say, well, I don't believe the Bible. I don't believe there ought to be any rules. Well, think about this. What if there was no rules? What if there was no rules? What kind of mess would we be in right now? I mean, uh, times is pretty bad already, right? What if there's no rules, no laws? Well, it wouldn't have been been safe to come out tonight, would it? Uh, Nobody would be safe. I think about this the other day. Uh, You don't think about how much times has changed in just the last few years. Don't you think about something? Uh, How many of you can remember the first time that you ever pulled up to a gas pump and it said on the pump, you got to pay first. I remember the very first time. It was at the Shell Station in Burnsville. I believe it was the first gas station to require you to prepay before you. When I pulled up and I seen that, I'd never been so offended in all my life. I said, I'll not prepay. If they can't trust me to pump my gas, I'll pump my gas somewhere else. I'm not going to prepay. I mean, all these years, I've just rolled up and put it in there and pumped what I wanted and went in and paid for it. And if they can't trust me for that, then I'll not pay. Some of you younger people are like, you mean really? They used to just let you pump your gas? Yeah, and it's not been that long ago. But can you imagine if they did that today? How much gas would be stolen in a day's time? Huh? Everybody'd still, everybody, they, they'd go out of business. Why people run in there and pump and pull off? It, it happened. It happened multiple times a day. I mean, it happened all the time. It, that's just how much the world has changed. So there's got to be rules. There's got to be laws. Well, there's got to be somewhere that all them ideas come from. Now, just think about this. Where's it come from? Well, I'll tell you where. If you walk in the United States Capitol building tonight. They've got uh, different uh, uh, busts along the inner circle of the rotunda of the Capitol building or inside where the uh, congressmen meet. But as they come under that door, uh, my friend, when uh, uh, President Biden, when he stumbles under the door uh, uh, to come in to make his uh, uh, State of the Union speech or whatever he's going to do, he walks under one face. And it's not a half face like all the others. It's a full face. You know whose face it is? Moses. You know why? Because Moses was the giver of the law. Right? And they said that Moses' face uh, looks down on Congress uh, because he was the one that gave the law. Of course, you and I know who the real author of the book was, and that was the Holy Ghost Spirit of God. So there has to be laws and rules. I'm getting way away from where I'm wanting to be. Anyway, the Bible is profitable for doctrine. That's what's right. It's it's profitable for reproof. That shows what's wrong. Then it's profitable for correction. That's how to tell us to get things right. I'm glad the Bible don't just tell us what's wrong. The Bible don't just say, oh, that's wrong. But it tells us how to get it right. That's in the Bible. And then it's, it's profitable for instructions in righteousness. That's how to keep it right. 
<laughs> that's, how to live a, that's how to live a good life and keep it right. So it is the word of God alone. But then secondly, I told you three things. Secondly, there's the word of God applied. Now I preached on this a few Sunday nights going, I'm not going to belabor it. You've already heard me uh, preach a whole message on it. But just to simply say, just because we believe the Bible does not mean necessarily that we have to have a chapter and verse for everything in the Bible. How does to think this Talk about Bible principles again. Let me just high top it real quick. Maybe you missed it. Maybe you didn't really get it. Let's think about a Bible principle. Uh, let's take watching TV for an example. That used to be a hot button topic in independent Baptist churches. Let's think about watching TV. Now, what does the, here's the question. What does the Bible say about watching TV? Well, the answer is absolutely nothing. <laughs> Don't say nothing. Don't say nothing about it. So there's a couple of ways you can look at that. Some would say, because the Bible does not say anything about it, then we shouldn't do it. You know, that's like, uh, kind of like the way the Amish live, you know. How, how many of you want to live that way? You know, you go up there and look at it and you think, boy, I'd like to try that. Go a week with it. I'm telling you, y'all couldn't do it. They couldn't, I couldn't do it either. Power go off at my house. I'm a nervous wreck in an hour. Come on now. I'm ready for the power to come back off. Anyway, so well, it's not the Bible, so we shouldn't do it. Then there's others that would say, well, it ain't in the Bible, so we can watch whatever we want to. But the truth of the scripture is there's this Bible principle that out of the book of Psalms that we should set no evil thing before our eyes. And so the truth of the scripture is you can watch TV, just don't watch no nastiness on it. Amen. That's, that's a Bible principle applied. And so the word of God, it's good for you to say, boy, I believe the Bible. Hey, preacher, I believe the Bible. I believe the Bible. Yeah, but are you willing to apply it to your everyday life? I'm here to tell you this Bible is applicable to the way you live your life every single day. And living according to the Bible makes you happier and gives you a better life than any other way you can possibly live. People say, well, I'll not live according to that Bible. That old Bible, it just, you know, it, it just got all them old rules. And it got them old thou shalt nots. Well, I don't live according to that thing. I'm going to have myself time. Well, I've seen people like that. And I'm telling you, the time they think they're going to have, how many of you agree with me, ends up not being much of a good time. Because sin always has consequence. It's always got a problem. It's always got pain. It's always got trouble. Hey, I've said this before and I believe it. If God wasn't real and there was no such thing as heaven or hell, it'd still pay to live according to the tenets of the scriptures because it's a better life than living it the other way. But I'm glad on top of all this, God is real and heaven is real. Amen. And I can have the word of God. So there is the word of God alone and then there's the word of God applied. But then, and I'll, I'll get done right here, there's the word of God accomplished. And what do you mean by that? Well, you can't talk about the infallibility of the scriptures without saying this. When John the Revelator said amen at the end of the book of Revelation, God got done saying everything he's going to say to mankind. There, the, that's the reason... And we, we, I touched on it maybe uh, last uh, Wednesday night. I'll touch on it again tonight. That's the reason that all those sign 
and miracles that the apostles did. That's the reason all that had to come to an end. Uh, let's, let's look at that verse. Give me 1 Corinthians chapter number 13, verse number 8. And let's look at it. So prior to the completion of the word of God, there was a need for signs and miracles. There was a need for that because the, the gospel had to be spread in miraculous ways. And so Paul wrote about it. He said, charity never faileth. But now look what he said. He said, but where there be prophecies, they shall fail. So in other words, people who had a special word from God. Now, I'll tell you what independent Baptist preachers are bad for saying. They get up and say, God told me. No, he didn't. He didn't. Now, the Holy Spirit can impress upon you. But I'm telling you, if, if God told you anything, it's right out of this Bible. If, right out of this Bible. So I'm saying. That's God. He said, where there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether they shall be tongues. That's that, that gift of speaking in tongues. By the way, the, the gift of speaking in tongues was always in a language. You can study it in your Bible. It's always in a language that somebody understood. That, that never was intended to be a heavenly language. It was intended to promote the gospel to all nations. And so they had to hear it in their language. So he said, whether they be tongues, what? They shall cease. Whether they be knowledge, that is special knowledge of the things of God, insights that the apostles had, he said it shall vanish away. Then look at the next verse, verse 9. The Bible says, for we know in part, and we prophesy in part. Paul's talking about as he is writing to the church at Corinth, the Bible has not been completed. As he's writing this letter to the church at Corinth, the Bible, the New Testament is nowhere near complete. They've not even compiled all the Old Testament books, but look at verse number 10. I love verse 10. But when that which is perfect is come. We know he's talking about, uh, he's talking about this Bible. That's what he's talking about. Uh, He's telling that church at Corinth, uh, he said there's coming a day uh, when there's something perfect gonna come uh, and when the perfect thing, he's not talking about Jesus. Jesus had already come. Uh, He said when that which is perfect is come, uh, that which is done in part. Now what's he talking about? Back up to verse number Number eight. Well, he's talking about that which is done in part. He's talking about prophecies. He's talking about tongues. Uh, he's talking about special knowledge. Uh, that, that, that is that which is done in part. Uh, now give me verse number 10. Uh, that which is perfect has come. That is the word of God. That is the canonized Bible. 66 books. Uh, Hold the New Testament. He said that which is perfect has come. Uh, then that which is in part uh, shall be done away with. Uh, so Paul said there will be no more need uh, for any other special prophecies. Uh, there will be uh, no need for vision and dreams because we have the word of God. I dreamed the other night. I dreamed the other night that me and Zeke were fighting werewolves. We fought them all night long. We, they was men. They were men. But then we discovered about halfway through the dream that they were actually werewolves and they kept coming alive. You know what that meant? Absolutely nothing. It meant a big nothing is what it meant. Now, just in case, I texted Zeke the next day. I just want to make sure he hadn't had the same dream. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It means nothing. That's what it means, nothing. It means for some reason, 
You know, I don't know. I saw something about werewolves that day and had it on my mind. I dreamed another night I was in a shootout. And somehow I was under my patrol car shooting. And I never, 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 never fails if I get in a shootout. I ain't got no bullets. Or I'll shoot and a bullet will just barely come out of a gun like this, you know. You know what that means? Nothing. It means, it means nothing. Three nights ago, I dreamed I was having a heart attack. You know what that meant? It meant I had indigestion. Other than that, it means nothing. You say, well, I had a dream. Forget that mess. God's not given any new revelation by dreams because we've got a perfect Bible. So if you don't know what God thinks, don't search your dreams, search the Bible. You don't find out what the, and it has to be that way. Because if it's not that way, we're in a mess. Because I can get up Sunday and say, oh, I had this dream. Now, this happens a lot in these mountains. Some of you nod your head, you've been in services where it's happened. Somebody will get up and they'll say, I had a dream. I had a vision. Well, God bless your heart. How do we know that's a God? How are we going to know? Huh? Well, if you'd believe that, then I could have a dream, you know. I, I had a dream that y'all bought me a Mercedes and had it in the parking lot. Bless goodness, it better be there next Sunday. <laughs> Somebody else could get up and have, say, no, preacher, I had a dream and what we bought you was nothing. <laughs> See there? See, how are we going to know who's right and who's wrong? That's the reason God said we, we got to have something that's perfect. And when it's come, that which is done in part, those prophecies and those visions and those miracles, so that's going to be done away with because you have what is perfect in your lap. Now, one of the main problems I've got with new versions, I give you this, I'm going to be done. One of the main problems I got with new versions is this. It's, and this is maybe too rudimentary, I don't know. But if it ain't broke, why try and fix it? Right? Why try and fix something that ain't broke? Uh, you say, well, it's hard for me to understand. It's hard for me to understand. You know how everybody learns to quote John 3.16? King James style. That's how everybody quotes John 3.16. And everybody in here can understand it. There's a lot of statements made in the Bible about salvation that the whole, the whole line doesn't have more than two-syllable words. Huh? If you, can't, if you can't understand that, you need to go back to kindergarten. It's not that you can't understand it. It's that this, this Bible says things that you don't want it to say. So try to, try to change it. But I just say to stay on the Bible. Stand with the Bible. Stand with the Bible, stand with the Bible, stand with the Bible. You know why? Because that's a life-changing book right there. That's a life-changing book. I believe this thought. There's a lot of people that are philosophers. But on their deathbed, they don't call for the works of some philosopher. They don't say, bring me the chronicles of Socrates. They don't want philosophy on their deathbed. There's people that are mathematicians. But as they're drawing their last breath, they don't say, read me a math problem. 
Can you imagine laying on your deathbed and someone says, if a train is going 65 miles an hour headed east and another train is going 35 miles an hour, this is going to bring you some real comfort here. You're a mathematician. Jason's a policeman, but when he's laying on his deathbed, he's not going to say, bring me the crimes book. Somebody read me out of chapter 20 about motor vehicle law, that license plate section. I really love the license plate section. (laughs) You know what we want? You know what everybody wants? Somebody bring me the Bible. When you go on the funeral hall and get that little paper, it's got the obituary out. What's wrote on the back? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Huh? You know why? Because there's something different about that book. They don't write anything else on the back of them things. Because only that book can bring comfort when nothing else brings comfort. Only that book can change a man's life. Only that book. When troubled times come. What is it you turn to? How many of you can remember? We, uh, we went through that Alcatraz Museum while we were in Pigeon Forge, and they've got a big room dedicated to September the 11th. We walked in there and sat down, and they got a video that plays about that. I remember them days. You know what they did? They stood on the steps of the Congress and sung, God bless America. Every congressman and every senator was quoting Bible verses and reading out of the scriptures. You know why? Because there ain't no book like this. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. There ain't no book like this book. So, what we're going to spend the next few weeks doing is just drawing some truths out of this Bible. Why do we believe what we believe? But first, we've got to all agree that what this Bible says is right. That's right. Let's stand our feet. Father, Lord, as much as I know how, I've just tried to preach this book tonight. I pray, God, that you'd help us to accept it by faith. Believe what you've written. I pray that you'd help us dig out some truths of the Word of God over the next few weeks. I pray that you'd put them in our hearts and press upon us as only you can. We'll thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I wasn't going to give no invitation, but as I was praying right there, I thought, you know, it might be good. It might be good some of you just say, Preacher, I want to come get around that altar tonight. And tell the Lord that I'm going to believe what the Word of God has to say by faith. I'm just going to accept it by faith. I just want to believe the Bible. I just want to believe what the Bible says. I want to come thank the Lord for having a Bible. I want to do it back there at your seat. I want to bow your head where you're at at your seat. Just say, thank the Lord. Thank the Lord for my Bible. I just want to believe the Bible. I just want to believe the Bible by faith. Not what I think. Not what man thinks. What God said. What God said. What God said. It's God's words. God breathed. 
It don't just contain the words of God. It is the word of God. My goodness. Father, in Jesus' name, God, I pray that you'd help your people. Lord, just help us to accept the Bible by faith. Lord, believe what it says and experience its life-changing power. Thank you for liberty to preach the Bible tonight. Great liberty here for on a Wednesday night. I thank you for it. God, I pray that you'd go with us this week. Help us, Lord, to meditate on these things. We'll thank you and praise you for all that's accomplished because we love you tonight in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. You stay till you get done.